0: Well, now loving, present God, in these moments, please take the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this room and let them be pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know... I know many of you do know that for centuries, believers around the world have celebrated Easter not just on one day, but as an entire season of 50 days. From Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday is 50 days, including seven Sundays, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, how could we cram so much resurrection joy into just one little day? And did you know that for centuries, this particular day, the Sunday after Easter, has been called Low Sunday? Probably for the obvious reason. Last Sunday was the big party. Last Sunday, we made big music in here and brought flowers and spirits were high, energy was high. But now the party's over parties in the rearview mirror, things are a little more subdued. Uh, There are more empty seats in the sanctuary. The Easter lilies are starting to droop. We are starting to droop. Why not call it Low Sunday? Easter is a hard act to follow. But here is something for us to consider. For some folk, last Sunday, Easter itself was low Sunday too. Maybe they even came to the party. They listened to the music, heard the news, and maybe even repeated an alleluia or two. They came to the party, some of them, but didn't experience the party. Plenty of you did experience it. You walked away from Easter with the deepest, most personal sense that it's true, not in theory, but true for your one and only life, and that makes all the difference for you. But many believers who are, in fact, desperate for some resurrection power on Easter Sunday just aren't ready or able to take it in, not yet. Right now, there's simply too much grief, maybe, or too much regret, too much anger or fear or exhaustion. Maybe last Sunday you weren't ready to take it in, weren't able to let it be personally real for you. And if you weren't ready for Easter, here's what I want you to know. It's perfectly all right. In fact, our text from John's Gospel today shows us just how right it is. And we take our cue from Jesus himself. See, in the Gospels, the risen Christ appears to a few people on Easter Sunday morning, he appears for people who are ready for him, and, and, and there are also people who are not ready for him that morning, but then, wonderfully, he comes back, right? He shows up for them later on, and, and later still, he comes back again and appears to even more according to their readiness to see him, which means, friends, that we don't have to meet Christ according to the holiday schedule. He operates on his own schedule. And to all kinds of people, maybe to most people, he comes at a more ordinary kind of time, even on a very low kind of day, to surprise us with life. Today's text from from John's Gospel that you heard Elisa read just a moment ago, and if you'd like to turn to it in your Bible, feel free or pull it up on your phone or your tablet. John is the fourth book in the New Testament if you happen to be new to the Bible. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, John shows us two pictures of doing exactly what I just said, showing up. In the most ordinary kinds of moments. One appearance happens just hours after Easter morning. The other takes place a full week after Easter. And the first time Jesus Jesus shows up, he, he finds a circle of worried, anxious friends. And the second time, he comes back to the same group, but now Thomas is also there. He had missed it the week before. And in both instances, Christ comes to people who are in a low, scared kind of place, which may have brought to his heart, I don't know, some measure of disappointment. I mean, throughout his whole adult ministry, Jesus had taken pains to prepare his disciples to be devoted, confident followers. But here we find them barricaded in a house behind bolted doors— He had meant for them to go out into the world and filled with the Holy Spirit to move and act in his name, but now they're cowering in fear, hoping that nobody will really find out who they are. In both of these scenes today, we see the church at its worst, scared, discouraged, paranoid, defensive. And in both cases, the risen Christ breaks in where they didn't expect to see him. And when he finds them, he shows them his scars, invites them even to touch them, and he says to them, peace. Peace be with you. To the, to, to the first group, he actually has to say it twice. Peace be with you. And then John says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But there's something else here this morning that I think perhaps wants our attention Something gets repeated by Jesus in both of these stories, though if you read it in most modern translations, you're not going to see it. In most modern renderings of the New Testament, like the one we read this morning, in both accounts you will read, Jesus came and stood among them, which is what he did, but it's not what John wrote. John uses a phrase for the presence of Jesus here that actually says something slightly different than he stood among them. And actually, the King James Version gives, more, uh, gives a more accurate translation. It says, Jesus came and stood in the midst. Jesus stands in the midst, in the middle. What's he standing in the middle of? The room? The group, yes, but in the middle of everything else, too. In the middle of their fear, in the middle of their discouragement, their defensiveness, their regret. In the middle of all this guilt, they're feeling about how things had gone down. And all this grief, they're feeling in this very ordinary low place. Jesus comes and stands in the very middle of it all. Frederick Buechner put it in words that I have come to love. He said, Jesus is apt to come into the midst of life at its most real and inescapable, not in a blaze of unearthly light, not in the midst of a sermon, not in the throes of a religious daydream, but at supper time or while walking down a road. In all the stories about Christ's return to life, Frederick Buechner says, he never approaches from on high, but always in the midst, in the midst of the people, in the midst of real life and the questions that real life asks. Jesus will meet us, in other words, in situations that don't feel remotely spiritual, that don't feel at all to us like Easter. In the conference room, in the classroom, During the evening commute, in our most skeptical moments and in our most scared moments in the middle of mind-numbing boredom and in the middle of terrible conflict, Christ can meet you anywhere. I have a friend named Todd in Texas who entrusted himself to God nearly 20 years ago because somebody left one of those little religious tracts in a public restroom. He read it, and Jesus met him and changed his life. Go figure. Christ is in the middle, friends, of every dull moment, every hilarious moment, all the real moments, including and maybe especially when you're in pain. And you better believe that every time we get together with another person, Christ is always there in the middle. Of course, it really helps if we're looking for him. I want to read part of an email that I received not all that long ago that that inspired me. This is what the person said. I thought I'd drop you a note to share how worship this morning resulted in my feeling one step closer to God. After worship... I wrote the word courage on a piece of paper. And by that, I mean courage to make tough decisions for my life right now. Courage to stop dwelling on mistakes that I made in the past. Courage to let go of some of the strangled control I try to keep on my life and to give it to Christ. Courage for a lot of things, really. The person went on to say in this email, I'm in my 30s. And I just bought my first study Bible this afternoon. And such a simple thing has caused such joy for me. After years, this person said, of not feeling particularly close to God, not being on regular speaking terms, not going to church, and just feeling generally ungrateful, I'm starting to see and talk with God, and I feel so much relief about that. What a huge return! On a small investment, the study Bible. Praise be to God. I mentioned Frederick Buechner, who goes on to say, "The sacred moments, the moments of miracle, are often everyday moments." And if we look with our hearts, and if we listen with all of our being and our imagination, we may just see Jesus himself. I was thinking this week of one of my earliest recollections of the tangible presence of God with me. It was a cold January night when I was 10 years old. We were moving from Florida to California on orders from from the United States Air Force. And as we drove through the foothills somewhere outside of Birmingham, it started to snow, something I had never seen before in my life. My mother began bouncing up and down on the front seat and clapping her hands like a child. Kids, just look at God's beautiful world, she said. And then she explained to my brother and me how each snowflake is different from all the rest. And weren't we blessed and lucky to have such a creative maker? Well, over on the driver's side of the front seat, my father was desperately trying to smoke a cigarette without filling the car with smoke. And so he had lowered the window just enough to wedge a Winston through that little slit. And I remember, you know, extending his neck like some great huron bird. He puckered his lips, you know, and strained for the tip of that brown filter. And he was taking short puffs off the cigarette as we were driving along that two-lane road. And nobody in those days was concerned with seatbelts back then, so my brother and I were draped across the front seat watching the snow zoom toward the windshield like confetti. And as we were driving along, Tony Orlando came on the radio. And brother and I were clapping our hands and whooping as mom turned up the volume and the four of us sang together, not three times on the ceiling if you want me. And I just remember as a child watching my dad stretch his arm across the bench seat and his finger caressed the back of my mom's neck as she belted out the words in her outrageously off-key voice. And in that moment, this feeling surged through my body with such intensity. My stomach wadded up in this happy knot as I declared to my 10-year-old self, I am safe and I belong. And it occurs to me now, years later, that God was as present with me that night as if we had all been singing some old gospel hymn or hollering hallelujah in a tent revival. For me, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were right in the middle of my family in that car, swaying to the smooth sounds of Tony Orlando and Dawn. The sacred moments, says Frederick Buechner, the moments of miracle, are often the everyday moments. Brothers and sisters, Christ will meet you on the brightest, most hopeful days in the middle of the beauty. But he'll also meet you on that hamster wheel that's killing you or in the most unfulfilling, disappointing, meaningless moments of your life. He'll meet you in the middle of your belief as well as your doubt. Christ will meet you there in the middle of all of it. So part of what I think he means to say to us today is this. Pay attention, friends. Keep your senses open because I intend to show up for you, to surprise you with my presence. Oh, and apparently he's saying one thing more. He's saying to us, go. Carry my peace with you and go. Just as God sent me, I'm sending you, go. Where? Well, right into the middle, of course. Into the middle of the world's business. Into the middle of industry and commerce and government. Into classrooms and courtrooms and boardrooms. Into laboratories and living rooms. Soup lines and picket lines and prisons. Into recovery groups and refugee camps. Into actual communities like this one and the one just beyond our front door. And wherever you live, in all of it, Christ is aiming us like arrows. And sure, he meets us in these buildings, make no mistake. Of course he meets us here for a moment. He stands in the middle of our worship like Elisa did this morning, He stands in the middle of our small groups and our meals together and our service together with such kindness and gladness. And he says, peace, friends. But then he says, get out of here. Y'all skedaddle. He says, as God sent me into the middle of it all, so I'm sending you. And so, friends, if Easter hasn't fully happened for us, Maybe it's because we're all still huddled together behind closed doors. But Jesus is always in the middle of the world's business. And he said to go and join him there. And the reason we can is that he's met us and breathed on us with the very breath of the Spirit and said to us, peace. Christ has opened the closed doors. Are we going to follow? I pray that we will. And so, Lord Jesus, come now to every life in this room who walked in with a wound today, or maybe lots of wounds, and would you show us your wounds for our sakes Breathe your peace on us, and then please show us the door to the outside where we'll always find you most and serve you best. In your name we ask it. Amen.